Lance Ballard, founder of Franklin's own Lockwood Ranch and self-proclaimed beef snob, joins the podcast to talk about what's really going on with our food supply, explains a little about freezer camp and why raising cattle on a biblical blend of grains is the only way to go. We also examine the current state of legislative battle in Tennessee to keep mRNA out of our food supply. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Oh, man. Kicking it off with some, some new country. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right category. Well, clearly. Now, what country? Is that a... What's those uh, Florida Florida guys? What's nope, their, nope, nope, nope. Good guess, but no. That's not, not the same guy. only one guy. I don't know, man. Lance, you know who this is? We're here in Nashville, and I, I can't name a country singer. This guy's way bigger than country, even though country is Morgan Wallen. Yes, yes, sir. That ain't country. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, I was looking for some. I was looking for something that would be a, about a farm or cows. I couldn't find any song about farms or cows that I liked. You know, George, Mor- so, George Strait would have been fit. What you, you think go. of country now? Yeah, Morgan uh, Wallen, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's. Gosh, he survived some pretty serious yeah, woke, he was, woke he, attacks on his They tried to cancel him. Yep. 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 Good for him for sticking it out. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah, so Lance, um, Gary, I'll let you introduce Lance, but I'm curious, Lance, why you say Morgan Wallen's not country. So you're traditional country. You're uh, like uh, Alan Jackson country or even further back like Johnny Cash country. I like Alan, but definitely further back. But now George Strait. Okay. You know, if there was a man crush, that's there. George right. Strait. George Strait. Right. He's is going way back. He's the guy. Now, there's a lot of older country that I, I prefer, just the new stuff I'm just not into. But are you not a Johnny Cash fan? I am, yeah. to a certain degree. Johnny Cash is an American icon. What What about, gosh, one of the biggest, well, modern country stars, um, forgetting his name now, but the guy recently made a pretty big stink about going kind of woke and making sure everybody knew he was going to sell Bud Light in his new place in Nashville. Oh, Garth Brooks? Garth Brooks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Is that real yep, country? Nope. That's out. That's out? <laughs> yeah. That's out. <laughs> yeah, Garth Brooks. Uh. Well, it's it's really great to have Lance Ballard on the show. You know, he he's practically, you're practically my neighbor. Yeah. Right? I mean. Yeah, right across the river. Pretty dang close. And um, that's right. I do forget the Harpeth is right there between us. And, uh, you know, you're a local farmer, and I thought it would be really cool to have a con. And there's and there's some things that have happened recently in in the meat industry that we'll talk about. But I know we've got a lot of listeners that not only are interested in medical freedom and um, vaccines and all the things in terms of just healthcare, but we've got a lot of folks, a lot of listeners who are now. I mean, paying a lot of attention to our food supply. Probably something that we don't pay enough attention to that we should have been paying a lot more attention to decades ago. <laughs> because yeah, no kidding. Um, well, now that what? Everything's like... I, I, and I was talking to someone the other day about how much of our meat is actually maybe even... Even the meat that's grown here in the United States, it's shipped and processed 
out of country, like in countries like China, and then sent back for sale. I mean, that's crazy to think about. You have an animal grown in the United States that is slaughtered and then sent overseas for processing before it can come back for sale in the United States. That's insane to think about. And it's hard to believe that that's more efficient, right? It's done for economic reasons. Forget the national security issues and the sovereignty issues. The fact that you can send meat halfway around the world, process it and bring it back because that's cheaper than doing it here is astounding to me. You'd think that that was a problem you'd want to figure out, Yeah. right? So we'll start out. There's quite a few directions we can go in this conversation, but um, Lance Ballard, Lockwood Ranch, welcome to the show. And just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and and what you do at the ranch. Yeah, well, thanks, guys, for having me. Um, Like I said, this is a first, but because of who you are, we're here. Yeah. So people need to know the truth. Amen. And uh, and this is way more than politics. And you know, oh, a first by the way, before we started recording, Lance mentioned this is his very thankful he's on the show. This is Lance's very first time overcoming his his microphone fear. So terrified. Is, it, is there a word? Is there a word for that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Other than microphone phobia, some kind of an, 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 an e or an ism or something like that. But uh, yeah, so tell us tell us what you do at the ranch, man. Um honored to be here and thank you thank you for all that you've done and and stepping up and and speaking truth so you know i'm charismatic without a seatbelt. i mean i am (laughs) i'm a firm believer in every word of scripture and when it says that we have all things on this earth to heal our bodies i believe that amen Uh, it also says you know people ask me all the time lance how did we get in this mess with covid and the government and everything and and the answer is simple the bible says do not follow the ways of the world Mm mm-hmm and they say, well, how do we get out of this mess? It's the same answer. Do Quit not following the ways, the ways of the world. Of the world. Yeah. Move on from it. And so if you start looking, and I learned at a very early age, something just wasn't right. Uh, watching, you remember the old medicine cabinets, you know, behind your grandmother's mirror in the bathroom? So I, I thought was it was very the, curious what was in there. 100%. So the Wait, first time I discovered You say grandmother, it, that was my parents. <laughs> I didn't have to go to my grandparents. My parents had that. That's right. So going back to, you know, my family's, uh, my dad's mom's house. Um, I saw this thing, and and by accident, just being curious, I, I was like, "Whoa, this thing opens up!" And I, I saw it, and there was that one little bottle with that mysterious orange color and the white mm-hmm. lid, you know. And it's like, "What is that?" Wait, I remember seeing that from. Wait, that's that doctor thing, that RX. Next time I go, I want to play with the secret compartment and open it. And there's two of those bottles and so forth and so forth. And it grows and grows and grows. So then I see one day, I'm like, man, where's those 20 bottles at? Mamo, hey, where's those bottles that the doctor gave you? She's like, oh, honey, they're above the the refrigerator now. So I go and I look and, you know, and there's probably 30 bottles up there of all these pills. And I thought, something's wrong, man. And I'm I'm young, young. Something's not right with this. And then at that time, our dog had been going through some issues uh, like epilepsy and whatnot. And so they doctor put him on a medicine, and he lived to be 10, which was a long time for that breed. But it was one pill after another after another, and it was like this synthetic life. And I started praying about it. And I realized that the system, the world, has put the human body on what I call, like the Model C Ford was built on a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. They've got a dollar amount from the time you're born to the time you die, you represent a dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. And when you start looking at behind the scenes, this is a major 
major problem, way bigger than what we think would just, you know, bottlenecks at the food plant processing. This is demonic. Mm -hmm. And going back and looking at, uh, for instance, I hope I don't get you guys in trouble with the government here, but I know you're standing. <laughs> we're, we're, already, we're, way, we're way past that. <laughs> the, uh, the issues with big pharma, do you know where the word pharmacia mm. comes from or ah, pharmacy comes from? Spoken mm. about in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Pharmacia. Pharmacia. Yeah. Sorcery, witchcraft, mm -hmm. all the things the Bible says stay away from. Don't mess with that stuff. And when you look at the big pharma, who were they founded by? Who were they run by? Some of them still run by. Nazis. The Bible says you're not going to battle against the flesh. You're going to battle against spirits and principalities. Right. That's what you ran against in this election. It wasn't about flesh. It was about the spirits and principalities. The bigger and, things. Yeah, yep. and look at what they were doing. You were using tools that weren't fair. Cheating. They oh, cheated. You, oh, you, you won. Saw, oh, you saw the fun little article that came out today? Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we knew we knew <laughs> it in our hearts and our minds when it happened. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that's just something bigger. So the food industry we've seen in, you know, the root industry of pharmaceuticals, and then you look at what they they own, the patents on things. Who owns Monsanto today? Bayer. Who's Bayer? One of the largest pharmaceutical mm -hmm. companies in the world. Do you know the history of Monsanto? Well, I know they've been given pretty much the monopoly market share of, of our genetically engineered corn i think if like if you farm corn right you can't or or if you uh you can't harvest seed like the only way you can grow corn is to to keep buying monsanto seed right is that right that's right which and when it, i learned which I, when I learned that about five years ago and i thought that's insane that you as a farmer you grow something and you can't replant from what your you own grow. crop yeah that's that right there. I think for me personally, not knowing a whole lot about what's happening with our food, like set off an alarm bell for me. Like like you said earlier, like something's not right. Like that doesn't make sense. That's not farming, right? That's not what we know as. Uh, well, back to to the Bible. Like that's not what we know of planting and harvesting, mm -hmm. that's right? right? That's not how the cycle works. And why is it that our that our food supply has gone that direction? But so continue. Yeah. So so if you go back and you look at Monsanto, World War II came and they needed munitions. So Monsanto began making munitions for World War II, and they had this just huge surplus of munitions after the war was over. So they started looking at what can we do. Well, here comes Vietnam, and they realized that they could basically take these munitions and the ingredients in them and make a product called Agent Orange. Oh, yeah. And so then they, you know, the the enemy was hiding under a canopy of jungle and such, and so we started right. spraying Agent Orange across, and uh, so it would deplete the foliage, and then we could see the, the troop movement and, and know where to bomb. After Vietnam, they had this huge surplus of Agent Orange. Well, what do we do with it? So they figured out a way to dilute it, bottle it, change the name to Roundup, <laughs> And start selling it to homeowners mm -hmm. to get rid of weeds. weeds in their yard. Wait a minute. So he's saying... Are you saying that Agent Orange is Agent Orange? A, dilute, a diluted form of Agent Orange. And which, is why there's, which is why there's cancer lawsuits with Roundup all the time Exactly. Now. And all the soldiers that got cancer <clears throat> from Agent Orange. Is, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just continuing. But here's one of the major problems. So 
by certain laws. Now, you know laws way more than I do. I can't even begin. But it is illegal for somebody to be in office of a corporation and then be of office an elected position such as the head of the FDA, which mm-hmm. that's another conversation. But I'm a huge – if anybody ever asked me to be in the president's office, that's what I want. I want to be the head of the FDA. And on day way, I'm, I'm going to separate them. Day one, separate them. They should never be mm-hmm. together. Food and drug should be competing entities. So <clears throat> can can we camp there for a minute? Because yeah. you you and I talked about that a while back, and I yeah I forgot about that. That was I thought that was a great point you made. I mean, Kevin, think about that. Like the FDA, right? I, mean, I don't think enough of us think about that. The yeah. same agency that regulates pharmaceuticals also regulates food. our food. That makes zero sense. It does. And in fact, until you said that, <clears throat> right, with any of these three-letter agencies, we just become accustomed to the name. Yeah, the Food and Drug. Yeah. Makes, yeah. Food and Drug, Food and Drug, Food and Drug. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, Food and Drug now are, are are very much connected, right, as we're talking about today. But yeah, that's... Wouldn't it seem to you that our food supply would be important enough that you would simply have a food, food administration, administration yeah. an FA? Of course, what, then what you're calling for is another agency. Right. Well, that's true. I guess they could argue that it's a consolidated agency, so it's one less. At but... least we have less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Less tyranny? Yeah. Mm. No, no, no. Less agencies? Maybe. Not less tyranny. That's true. Yeah. Well, if you go back and you look at FDA, all right, so you can't have the head of Monsanto as the head of the FDA. So what they do is, is and, and this is all public knowledge. I mean, you can look this up and, and follow the money, right? Follow the trail. Mm-hmm. You'll have a leader within Monsanto, uh, and then they will do whatever they do to put one of their people in power, whether it's, I don't know, legal, illegal, I don't know. But they'll put them into power, and all of a sudden, that person will take uh, from an executive position at Monsanto becomes the head of the FDA. Mm-hmm. And then they start passing and writing laws that are in favor of Monsanto, right. such as first time in history to patent genetically modified right. crops, such as corn, right. as what's called a Roundup-ready product, which means that it's their seed genetically modified. They put it in the ground. It pops up. You got this big field. You get weeds. They come through and they spray crop dust Roundup all over, Agent Orange, (laughs) and it kills every weed and everything in the field except for that corn. Yeah. It's a genetically modified organism, GMO. Well, he serves his time in the FDA and goes back and presumes to be the CEO of Monsanto for massive amounts of money. And it's been this vicious Mm -hmm. cycle repeating itself for decades over and over and over. Which, by the way, same thing happens in other agencies. The CDC Mm -hmm. has a lot of former pharmaceutical company, and I forget the name of their names, but we've seen this cycle, especially since 2020 when everything's been exposed and people are more aware of this. Same thing. It's a revolving door between the political field and the business field. Who who go into the regulatory agencies and set the landscape as such to then go back all their buddies, yep. into the private sector and bring in all the money. Yeah. Sure. So that's so Kevin, that's we always talk about fees for friends. That's like mm. fees for yourself. <laughs> you know? Fees Fee, fees for me. Yeah. Fee for me. Yeah. Fees for friends and fee for me. Money for me. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah. Fees for friends right. and money for me. We got a new me. one. We got a new phrase. All right, I I want to make sure we get we we've, we've got a few topics to cover. So all of that said, I see. I sort of see where you're where you're coming from. That 
that's informed, you know, the kind of farmer you are, right? Rancher. Um, ran- r- yeah, <clears throat> farmer, rancher. So, it's, uh, yeah, okay, let's get that right. You're a rancher. That's right. Not a farmer. That's right. So that's farmers right. grow things, ranchers raise things. Hey, all right. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm, learning, I'm learning something every day. But well, we all work together in that field. So so tell us about what you do as, as a rancher in caring for your livestock in in selling meat to your community. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, can I step back just to kind of say like, so we've pointed or painted the picture yep. of Monsanto and genetically modified organisms watching your grandmother, watching your dog, and you're realizing that the human body is on this conveyor belt. What is the reason behind that? Well, food. We all know. I mean, it's a very important thing. I mean, there's a big reason why the Bible talks about prayer and fasting. It's very important. Uh, So what we put into the body, you know, is what comes out, right? It's fuel. So I started seeing these things and realized that food is where we can fix this. So but the problem is, who do you trust? You can't trust the government. You can't go to, you know, go to the grocery store and, and expect it to be good. So it just all just came down to a point to say, I'm going to have to raise my own food and start studying how to do it right. I'm not going to just go out there and raise food. And so growing up, working at my uncle's ranch in the summers, I always wanted to do that, but never as a business. It was just I just wanted to do it in retirement but never as a business. So as we started this process to raise our own food, COVID hit and people started becoming aware. They had more time to hear truth. And, you know, you came to the scene and started speaking truth. And and a lot of other people started speaking truth and they started seeing, and then they started seeing things like food plants getting hit by airplanes and burning down and people getting sick. And they started just being awakened to that conveyor belt. Let's hit them with a vaccine. You know, did you ever have chicken pox? No. I had chicken pox. So, so did I. Ten years ago, I'm sitting there watching TV, and, and the commercial comes on and says, if you've ever, ever had chicken pox, you've got the shingle virus already in you. Well, right. how do you know that? Yeah. Because they put it in you with their vaccines. I remember those commercials. Yeah. So it was like, okay, let's start putting good things in our body. Man, it took off. Friends and family started buying it, so I started doing research to figure out the best way to just to raise the best beef. And, man, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a snob. When it comes to good, juicy, tender beef, any meat. I can't do dry meat, period. So I love that you just said you're a snob. Yeah. Because now I can put that in our liner notes to introduce this. We can say, you know, Lance Ballard, <laughs> owner of Lockwood Ranch, a food beef snob. snob. Beef yeah. snob. Beef snob. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we went after that, uh, in that journey. And we started praying, and so God led me into Scripture, and we raise what's called biblically raised beef. So to answer your question as to what we do, we raise biblically raised beef. And this is, don't take my word. You need to try it, and you be the judge, and you tell me. I'm, I'm ready. But we're getting raving results because of how we raise those animals. Uh, and there's a lot of different names for it, but we definitely go above and beyond. Um, you know, a lot of people don't read Scripture to their cattle like we do. But we, we <laughs> lay our hands on them and we pray on them and, and over them and the land as well. That's amazing. I, I want to read a line for our audience from your website, Lance, because when you're talking about biblical, I just love it because I read this when I was preparing. And uh, it says, our cattle are raised on a vegetarian diet of 100% natural, did you pronounce it silage or silage? Silage. Silage, forage, and a biblical blend of grain sources. 
vitamins, and minerals for optimal health and nutrition. Amen. That's awesome. But what is it, when you say biblical blend, what does that mean? Sure. So obviously you've heard the argument, and this is a different conversation for a different day because it can get lengthy, but you've all heard, you know, just the rage of like grass-fed. It's got to be grass-fed this, grass-fed that. Think again. Who are we listening to, right? We're in the, the land of marketing and advertising. So they will push whatever they want to sell. And the next person that comes along, their product's going to be better, and you got to bash somebody else to make yours better. Mm-hmm. So if you go back and you look, okay, well, the argument, people, uh, and I'm not going to say names, but I follow a lot of people on YouTube. And it's so funny because one of the main guys I follow, I love him. He's, he's like, you got to have grass-fed. It's got to be, you can't have this and this. And then two videos later, he's talking about, so I'm planting seed today. And if you listen, he says he's planting oats and other things other sources of grain he's planting that in the grass so how is his operation grass-fed his (laughs) cattle are eating grain grain when you watch the fields grow grass produces a stem and the stem produces seed and it grows a grain head up top cows eat Mm -hmm. that cows eat anything you put in front of them so where does grain grow naturally in the pastures right in the prairies it was just never a monetized crop, right? So you you come in and you plant 100 acres in just corn. So if you're going to compare grass-fed beef to industrialized beef or commercial beef mm-hmm. at a feedlot, yeah, 100%, hands down, healthier. But if you want to look at some biblically raised beef, we give them a biblical <laughs> diet, things that are available that were available in the Bible. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. And and I actually have uh, a little sheet but to, to go through where every time grain's mentioned in the Bible, the types of grains that are mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. For example, Matthew 12, verse 1. You know, the world's trying to tell us that we shouldn't be eating grains because we have, uh, you know, gluten-free. Gluten, yeah. When yeah. did you ever hear about gluten allergies? Yeah. Only Not when you're younger. <clears throat> no, those are really only last, what, 10 years? 20 years, 20 maybe. Years. Peanut allergies. Yep. Yeah, that 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 all this stuff is thing. all this stuff is post vaccines. Yeah, all, all coming in through our foods and vaccines, or yeah. vaccinated through like your parents had a different vaccine, my grandparents had a different vaccine than my parents did. We had different vaccines, and then all of a sudden, all these allergies started popping mm-hmm. up. But you don't understand, Lance. This stuff's always been there. We've just gotten smarter over the last forty <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, so we understand our problems better. What are you saying, now. Gary? We were walking around sick and just didn't know it. Yeah, we were, too we're walking dumb. around and yeah, too dumb to know what was killing us. Yeah, yeah. We've too been dumb ge- to know that we were even sick. My nose is running. <laughs> I'm throwing up. And we've been genetically modified since Eve took a bite of that fruit. Mm. So, and and mm. we're just trying to get away from that. But cows eat grains naturally. Bison. If you replicate bison. The thing is, is that when if you put a cow in a field, it will naturally select what it wants to eat. If you put a plethora of minerals, it will go and eat the mineral it needs for that time and that day, not the others. Hmm. It will eat leaves. It will eat grains. It will eat things. And uh, so go back to the Bible. All through the Bible talks about grains. What did Joseph store up for the seven years of famine? Mm-hmm. Grain. Well, yeah, I knew and, it was grain, it was, but was it wasn't wheat? it wheat in particular? Uh, it could have been a multiple. You know, it typically in that time there was three types of grains uh, that would have been available at that time, and it could have been all of those. Because I thought, because isn't wheat almost eternal as far as an earthly supply? Like you could have it 
it, it's dormant, doesn't it? Sit dormant for I would have years said, and years I would have and years. said green, but for some reason I feel like a translation or two actually saying wheat storing up wheat but, right but i don't know but but certainly grain yeah, yeah yeah and i don't know the answer to that so i'm not gonna pretend to, to answer that mm-hmm. one i'll be glad to find it for you but i don't know i just know that at that time there was is roughly three different grains available uh, but it just said that he had stored up seven years of grain mm-hmm. so they ate grains matthew 12 verses 1 says as jesus was walking through the field his disciples were hungry and they began to pick mm-hmm. the grain and eat it and the the Pharisees, Pharisees were saying, hey, them. why are your disciples picking grain on the Sabbath? So it wasn't about the grain. It was a matter that they were picking on a rest day. Yep. Right? So it's about the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. But look at that. They ate grain. If it's good enough for Jesus to eat grain, it's good enough for us. If you go back and look further in the Bible where Melchizedek comes with Abraham, mm-hmm. the first form of Jesus to walk yep. on earth with, talking with Abraham, yep. what does he say? Go get the fattened calf. And Malachi, it says, the calf that's in the stall so everybody says, oh, no, cows have to be out on pasture and have to be eating grass. But biblically raised beef, guess what? They had stalls and they ate grain. When they traveled through the desert, how much? Hay? I, my cows, I can put eight cows in a feedlot and they can go through a 1,200-pound bale of hay in seven days. How many bales of hay do you think they carried for 40 years in the desert? Probably not many. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. You, there's so much here that we could unpack. Mm-hmm. You could teach a class on cow, <laughs> right? You could teach a class on all of this, which I find incredibly inspirational. How long have you been studying this and connecting all these dots? 40 years. Jeez. It's no wonder. He knows his cows, Gary. Well, clearly. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I can't, and I can't believe that I was... I ran into your wife in a uh, Sprouts parking lot the other day, (laughs) and we got to talking about um, the ranch and food supply and all that, and I was thinking how hard it is, because you're literally a mile down the street, and my wife and I just now have made a decision, okay, we're going to go start buying beef from Lockwood Ranch. I mean, how, how much more local can you get than that? But it's it's so hard to change your daily habits in in purchasing food. Like, you know, we've been going to Costco for so long and just mm-hmm. buying, you know, our meat or all the different things. I was talking to Kevin a while back about how they buy, you know, their milk and their eggs and where everybody does their thing. And it's mm-hmm. just it's really it's really difficult to change our our normal everyday habits of how we do things. And but and you have to be intentional to do it. But if. To me, if there was ever a time to start thinking that direction, figuring out how to intentionally change, you know, where you supply your home with with food, it's it's now. And I, I think everyone should be looking at how to find local sources of, of food, especially from guys like you that that are putting the effort into um, making sure that they're, you know, processing food the right way. Uh, again, there's there's a lot of things I want to get to before we run out of time. So, you've got to get off that conveyor belt, right? Hundred percent. Jump off of it. Jump, and literally, that's what it takes. It takes a jumping off. Like it's not a gradual yeah. thing. In a nutshell, cattle is it's a traded commodity on Wall Street, and it's sold by the pound. So you have a typical calf cow operators that they birth out cows, they feed them up 
uh, on milk with mom for about seven months, 700 pounds, 800 pounds, and then they wean that animal. And then they begin sending it off and, and feeding it. And because it's done by weight, to increase your profit margins, you find ways to decrease your, your inputs. So look for the cheapest sources of food. And like I said earlier, cows will eat anything. Industrialized beef, it would make you sick. Google it and just see. So they're feeding them candy in the wrapper, in the package, still in the box, still wrapped up in plastic on a crate. And they just grind it up and throw it in because it's full of corn syrup. Come or fructose on, huh? corn syrup. Seriously? You can just watch the videos for yourself. YouTube mm. it. And that's legal. They just care about putting the weight on the cow as fast as possible so that they can turn and, and put 200 pounds on that cow and sell it. And then it goes to the feedlot. It's, it's legal to grind up candy in the mm. wrapper Discard the candy. Cattle. One that falls off a truck driving down the road, car wreck, train wreck, whatever. Take it. Feed it to cows. Feed it to animals. Give it so, to us. And again, FDA. Why aren't they regulating that? Man. So they're concerned about what's in our candy, but they're not concerned about giving that candy to the cows that we eat. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded right now at that statement. These are the same people that say that Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles are healthy, but beef is not. <laughs> because ne they, Never in my family. Because they <laughs> fart too much for the planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so our listeners understand how this works. So you're a local farmer. They want to buy local beef. We were talking about how the USDA works and the labeling requirements, which again, I, I'm learning about, right? Learning more and more about it each day. So you can sell meat that's not USDA inspected if someone purchases the cow or a portion of a cow and then essentially they pay you to process their cow is how that works. But if, but for you to be able to package meat, like sell, you know, a, a packaged pound of ground meat, meat or a, a package of ribeyes or whatever, for you to be able to do that in a package, that meat has to be USDA inspected. Correct? That's correct. So if if without a USDA inspection, I can't go to you as a local rancher and buy a steak. Right. That, that meat has to be USDA inspected. Not legally. By federal law. Right. Um, well, you can give me a steak, right? As That's right. You don't sell <laughs> no money. <That's> <laughs> but I, I will say this. So, you know, I'm not going to beat up the, the USDA on everything. And I am an advocate for USDA inspected meat. So as we go to the processing plant, we drop our animals off. We call it freezer camp. Our cows have no bad days. We take them to freezer camp. Freezer camp? Yeah. What does that so mean? So they go from finishing school to freezer camp. It's a very nice way of saying the slaughterhouse. Yeah. So they're going to they're going to they, go camp remember, out in the freezer. freezer yeah, they have no bad days. You know, they just they just get a nice cool yeah. day. Yeah. And so oh. uh, as we drop them off, freezer um, camp. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm That's just just a funny way of talking about it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love it. It's it's new language, new vocabulary for us. 100%. So they go to grazing school, then finishing school, then freezer camp. <laughs> All right. And so what happens at freezer so, camp with the USDA? So USDA, I do believe in this process. We have a dedicated USDA agent or officer, whatever his, his title would be. Uh, and as we drop that, the animal off and they euthanize the animal, he then inspects that animal. And he inspects it for abnormalities, disease tumors, et cetera. So uh, we process one animal at a time. Next time you go to the grocery store, think about this. Ground beef in a major plant. 
is ground up of multiple animals. There may be a thousand different cattle in that one, one pack of uh, ground beef. That's why when you see these mercy. national recalls, it's on a massive level because came it goes from multiple everywhere. places. Yeah. So we process one at a time. The inspector or agent will take a look at it. He will basically do like an autopsy or a biopsy of that animal in his office at our processing plant. And then he will stamp that as passed. So if there's something that we've missed, he sees it before it gets packaged. And I'm a big advocate for that because I'm guaranteeing you healthy beef. You know, we yeah. make healthy affordable. Shame on me if I'm putting an animal out there that was sick or, you know, had a tumor. But if I buy a package of ground beef from you, that's that ground beef is coming from one, one animal. One cow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice right. to know. Absolutely. Yeah. And so so some of the so I want to get into some of the, like the labeling here because so with with USDA requirements, of course, labeling is federally regulated through the USDA. Because you and I have talked about your ability to sell meat packaged to the community is dependent on the USDA, which currently, by regulation, does not require your animals to, to like be vaccinated, for instance. But what happens when potentially you could see that coming down the road, possibly that that USDA now requirement includes that your animal has been vaccinated? You know what? What happens then? I, I guess you can't sell packaged meat anymore? Yeah, Technically, so, I mean, right for now. us, uh, we put principal over profit today. Tomorrow, if they mandate that, we're still going to put principal over profit. So nothing really changes for us on that. I just don't get to sell it in a way that I would. But <clears throat> if that happens, we're going to come back on this podcast and let the people know. And we're going to sell directly to you. Without that process. Right. Because I am not. And people are like, well, how do you guarantee that, that they can't force you to put a vaccine? And the answer is simple. They'll have to kill me. It Love goes it. against my biblical roots and my foundation. That alone is why you're on this program and why we like to have guests like that, because that's always what Gary and I are looking for. Um, and it harkens back to, you know, the Hobby Lobby story and Steve Green and, and way back in 2015 when they went through their lawsuit, the Supreme Court. I always remember Steve Green saying at that time they ended up winning that particular case at the Supreme Court. But someone asked him after he got done making his remarks while he was waiting to hear what the Supreme Court opinion was going to be. And they the question was, Mr. Green, what will you do if the Supreme Court holds against you? And he said, I don't know, but we will not comply. And that's Amen. the kind of courage that we want. So Amen. thank you, Lance, for that. Well, frankly, it's the kind of courage we're going to need, you know, if we're going to survive what's coming. So, you know, t to mention a couple of things that happened here in Tennessee, again, you and I have kind of talked about, which I think has imp implications on a, on a local farm, on a local rancher like yourself that I'm having to train myself using rancher instead of farmer. <laughs> we had two bills this year. Both died in succession. One of which, the, the first bill that was filed, by the way, by Senator Frank Nicely out of Strawberry Plains, Tennessee. He's one of the few senators that is willing to fight on a host of these issues that I think a lot of us are very concerned about. And, um, you know, he's keeping an eye on especially mRNA technology as it not only continues to promulgate through pharmaceuticals, but trickle down into the food supply. The first bill that was filed would have required in the state of Tennessee, would have required any meat sold 
from livestock that had been treated with, with an mRNA vaccine, the state of Tennessee would have then required that meat to be labeled as such, you know, and I don't know what the nomenclature was, but like, you know, treated with mRNA technology or what have you. Well, that bill died a quick death and got withdrawn. It was lobbied against, um, I, I, I believe, don't quote me, but my understanding is it was lobbied against by the Tennessee Farm Bureau. They didn't want that, whatever. So that bill got withdrawn. So the second bill that was filed was sort of a compromise. Okay, well, we won't force anyone to label, but what we'll do is allow someone like yourself to label their product as mRNA-free. So so you can treat your cattle with mRNA, and you don't have to label it as such, but we're going to allow other ranchers to label their products mRNA-free. Well, that got lobbied against, and that died. Well, why? Because if someone like you at Lockwood Ranch was able to label their meat as mRNA-free, well, that could potentially implicate the other folks who aren't, aren't labeling anything but might be informing you that since it doesn't say mRNA-free, that perhaps maybe it is treated with mRNA. And so that bill died, again, lobbied by, I believe, against by the Tennessee Farm Bureau. So it, it, it was interesting to me that not only did the industry, I'll just say, in our state, not want a forced label, but they didn't even want to allow local ranchers the opportunity to label their meat mRNA-free, which I'm assuming, if the conditions were right, someone like yourself probably would opt to label their meat as such. 100%. You would want people to know. Sure. Um, what? So that, I'll let you comment on that because... That concerns me a bit in terms of the the future of the industry, possible pending changes to USDA requirements. Whenever local ranchers or, or, or local producers are not even allowed those kinds of labels, how's that going to impact you moving forward? And I'm, I'm just it's scary times. Yeah, it's very scary because. Let's just take the issue out of state, right? In state, you have a choice to vaccinate or not. Yeah, and by the way, that's label. a good point. There is no requirement currently, even by the to 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 have any vaccinations for your animals, right? right? Okay, but, but the very people who are for vaccinations, why wouldn't they? And that's the argument. If you look at the legislation that's failed across the country, this has happened in numerous states. Whenever this legislation, similar legislation, has been proposed. The left always says there's no requirement to vaccinate your beef. Well, that's not the that's not the point we're making, but that's definitely mm -hmm. what they're hanging their hat on when they're fighting. The, the it. point is, what if? Yeah. yeah. And, and why shouldn't a man have the freedom to say, I don't have this in mind? Yeah. Right. Well, my beef, my choice. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, let's take the issue out of state. Right. Or in state. Somebody decides to vaccinate the cattle, whatnot. Who's going to label it in the restaurants? And the grocery stores. So it goes from a processing plant, and it gets spread all throughout the, the supplier. So somebody in Minnesota produces the cow, vaccinates it, and then it goes to a plant in China. And then it comes back Come on a back, ship. Right. And it gets distributed to grocery stores and, and retail outlets, restaurants throughout the nation in Tennessee. But How are can, they going to keep it? I've got to ask a question about China again. How is it possible to keep the meat fresh if it goes to China to be processed, frozen freezers. Okay, so so that's it. So so at least 
At least our fresh meat's not going to China first. Like when I well, go to there's Publix, not really such a thing as fresh, fresh meat. meat because when it goes to the processing plant. It needs to be frozen. Sorry, for what, did, what, what did you call that special day again? <laughs> freezer freezer camp. camp. Yeah, so they just have a really long freezer. A long they freezer have camp. extended freezer camp, Kevin. <clears throat> yeah, like two months over the ocean. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man. So I mean, it's it's terrible, but it, there's a big bottleneck issue with processing. One, you know, labor cost is expensive. It's one of the most dangerous things that you can do. I mean, you're you're talking about working in extremely cold environments, lifting hundreds and you know thousands of pounds. Working with sharp instruments, it's hard on the body. So they figure it's cheaper to send it over there and come back. Mm. But how do you regulate that? Mm-hmm. I've never even thought about this. All right. So I just, and you may not know the answer, um, but I'm thinking about what you said earlier. And then I'm thinking about all of these ranchers that are shipping their product somewhere out of the country for processing. So if it's possible for a package of like ground meat, to consist of potentially hundreds, maybe thousands of animals. Also, is it is it possible for that same package of ground meat to consist of animals from different countries? Like they are, they wouldn't even be from the same form necessarily. Good question. You would assume no, but you go back not too long ago, and they removed the country of origin on our labeling. What we do don't mean? have to put country of origin on our food anymore. Well, then there's your answer. Does that include? Gar- me- Guarantee you're eating food that's mixed in from other countries. So on a pack on a package of uh, so I'm, I'm not even I don't even I haven't even been paying attention to this stuff. You got to get off the conveyor belt. I know, it, that's that's what I'm that's what I've come to understand. So if I go to the store and buy a package of ground meat, right now it's not it's not labeled as it's not required to be labeled as to even what country that meat is from. I don't know all the laws. I just know that they remove that law that it has to have. Now, some people still do that. So it they can still put have, that yeah, it can, but yeah. it's not required. Right. Wow. The way I understand it, they removed the country of origin requirement. All right. For example, <clears throat> USDA regulates organics. Well, we allow products to come in from Chile and Brazil and Mexico. How can they regulate in those countries? Mm-hmm. Yep. How do we guarantee that China is using the same organic mm-hmm. methods that we do here, yeah. and they still get the stamp? They're not. Yep. That's a great point. All right, so you and I also you you notified me a, a week ago or so about the fact that, and I, I was reading a couple of articles on my way in, which were astonishing to read some of these things. But the FDA now has approved what they call cell cultured, or what we are calling, I think, in the public, lab grown meat. Mm-hmm. That's now been FDA approved, right? Yep. For yes. retail and Grocery. Well, so the article, yeah, so the article that I read right now, it's it's a slow rollout. So the FDA has currently approved uh, the sale of lab-grown meat only for poultry, with the intent to roll this out to beef and pork and whatever. But only for poultry currently, and only in select restaurants, primarily in San Francisco and Washington D.C. But again, with with the intention on th- this is just a test market, and this is going to be rolled out, and um. So this, I want I want to talk about. Well, I'll read this. I'll, I'll just I'll just read this without comment. I'll, I'll let you take it from there. But this this is what cell cultured meat is. And I'm again I'm reading from this article in the Scientific American. A lab grown chicken nugget starts the classic way with an egg. 
Food scientists sample stem cells from a fertilized chicken egg and then test the cells for resilience, taste, and the ability to divide and create more cells. Next, the scientists can freeze the best cell lines for future use. When it's time to start production, food scientists submerge the cells in a stainless steel vat of nutrient-rich broth containing all the ingredients cells need to grow and divide. After a few weeks, the cells begin to adhere to one another and produce enough protein to harvest. Finally, the scientists texturize the meat by mixing, heating, or shearing it. Good Meat, which is one of the companies that are going to be producing cell-cultured meat, uses an extruder and presses it into a nugget or cutlet shape. So this is where we're heading now. <laughs> Nuggets were bad enough before. Now it's... <laughs> You know, I also see a huge gap in this because it's cell cultivated or lab grown. That's mm -hmm. all they have to put on that. They're not telling you right. everything that they had to do to make that, right? So who's to say that the they can bypass the mandatory mRNA vaccinations in animals because they can just put it in the lab with this? Ah, that's right. And so at the end of the article, it talks about these products eventually hitting supermarket shelves. And, like, if you went to buy a, a steak in the supermarket, it would still carry a USDA inspection stamp. But the additional requirement would that you would see somewhere in the packaging the term cell cultured. But it's still USDA inspected. But um, I, this is just uh, – oh, and by the way, just to add insult to injury, the uh, – Vegetarian society is considering their stance on cell-cultured meat, and uh, they're not sure they can label it vegetarian because it still comes from an animal cell line. So they're, they're considering terminology to label it instead of vegetarian. Their terminology is cruelty-free or slaughter-free meat. Hmm. <laughs> Cruelty-free Cruelty -free. to the animals, maybe, but not to the people, the consumers not who to eat meat. it. That's right. That's right. Um, but that's where this is going, Lance. And I'm just, I'm, I'm super concerned, man. I just, as a, as an everyday guy with family, I'm, I'm concerned about, about the meat that I'm, that's going to be available to me and my family in the coming years. And that's I right. think guys like you, while right now I feel like for some folks, depending upon where you live are sort of kind of hard to find. I'm glad you live right down the street <laughs> because where you, I think you're going to be, man, you are going to be critical infrastructure for us to continue to live a way of life that many may not have the opportunity to live in, in the coming decade. Yep, I regretfully agree. It's sad to think that, that we may, you know, come to that point and it's, it's closer now than it's ever been. And, and whether it's Lockwood Ranch or not, guys, there are a lot of good producers in this country. They do what we do. They might not do it the exact same way, but that's okay. They produce a great product, and, and that's what I encourage all Americans to do is to start looking locally. And now I will say this. You know, there's a lot of people out there. If you don't have access to go anytime, we always welcome tours, and people are like, man, you need to be paying for that. And I'm not charging people for them to come and see where their food comes from. You guys come out, see how we do it, mm. watch us, learn, listen. We'll show you. You can pet the cows. You can lay down with them. You can feed them. Come out anytime you want. 
you want night or day, come on. Y'all come and see what we do. It's, it's complete transparency, mm. and that, that's what you need to look at on a local level. Don't just go find local meat. You know, if it says local, local to who? Right. There's a lot of, you know, companies coming in with a truck saying, oh, well, it's local this and, and this. You have yeah, no idea just where that came word. from. Yeah. Go find the local producer that will let you come out to their, their facility, their ranch, their farm, whatever producing, you know, element they have. Let them see the process and buy from those people. That's the good stuff. And then, you know, and teach your kids about where the food comes from. Because we're, we're moving in. I've been preaching this for years to, to friends. I, I laid out a good buddy of mine, Shane. He At the time, he had five kids. And uh, and I told him, I was like, your kids know how to grow a garden? Nope. They even know what a seed looks like? Nope. What happens if we have to go back to those days? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people starving to death because yep. they don't know how to light a fire. They don't know how to clean an animal. They just think food just appears in the grocery shelves. They have no clue where food comes from. Mm-hmm. So they need take the kids out, bring them out, let them see and let them understand. I don't think it's just kids. I'm sitting here thinking, Gary, <clears throat> we should have a, gosh, a Freedom Matters podcast at the ranch. <laughs> have fun. a Tennessee Stands, like, tutorial. Yeah. You had to come out to the ranch. I think it would be incredibly informative, but I'm just inspired. I'm sitting here. <clears throat> I love to hear people that know their product, know their craft, that are inspired about it. <clears throat> so I'm sure our listeners are getting as excited as we are, or at least a, a good portion of them. There's just a real, sorry to pardon the pun, but there's a lot of meat here <laughs> that we've been talking about. And not that and not that lab-grown stuff, Kevin. Exactly. Real meat. <laughs> Lance, how can people find you? LockwoodRanch.com. And uh, Franklin, Tennessee. You ship, you deliver. How does this work? People can come get it. Like what? What? What happens? How? How does? So how does this? What do people need to do now? Because they're not going to go to Costco or Kroger and be able to buy meat from Lockwood Ranch. So how does it work? Yeah. So uh, again, we put principle over profit. So we have shot away from industrialized anything. We've got restaurants galore asking us for our product. We've got people in Mandeville, Louisiana who's wanting to distribute our, our beef. And we're, we've just said no, because we our whole goal with this, God said, do it, but make it affordable. As you talk about Whole Foods, you know, whole paychecks, right? I love Whole Foods. I love what they, they stand for. The food is great, but it's expensive. So when we did this, we wanted to make the healthiest beef available. Who can afford Wagyu? Not many, right? But Wagyu is the healthiest beef that you can eat. It's the healthiest beef that you can put in your body. It's 300 times the amount of monounsaturated fats as regular beef. It's loaded loaded with uh, oleic acid and uh, omega-3s, omega-6s. It's the equivalent to eating avocado or olive oil. Hmm. But next time you're at the, the restaurant and you look, just check out the price. Oh, yeah. It's astounding, right? And I notice on your website it's all sold out. So it is, and it takes a long time to produce that animal, a lot longer than your than your standard beef. But so we set out to make this available at a healthy <clears throat> price so that people can afford it. And so to find us, come out, see it. You can go to the website. We To answer your question, yes, all three. They can come out and they can pick it up. We are working on nationwide shipping right now this week. Uh, it should be up and running. So if you do go to the website and we, you know, we're not shipping to your area yet. So na- nationwide shipping up and running after, in, a, in a week or so. We're hoping to have it fully launched in a week. So all wow. we're waiting on uh, is a liner for our boxing. Uh, we 
spent a lot of research uh, trying to find the right liner because we want to be, you know, good stewards of the land. So we found a great company in California. It's called EcoLiner. So we're waiting for them to, in fact, I had a lady reach out on Instagram yesterday saying, can you ship to California? I said, well, I'm waiting on my liners to get from California <laughs> to here so I can turn around and send you one back. Lo- local restaurants, do you see Do you see your meat going into restaurants where this is going to go straight to the table? The reason why, and, and sorry, I, I missed that point, but that's why we put principle of profit. And in order for us to provide for the restaurants, let's just say a fine steakhouse right here in town. We all know one. They'll go through 900 steaks in a night. Mm. There's 25 ribeyes really? on a cow. So 900 in a night? Very easily. Oh my so gosh. how many cows am I going to have to process to to meet that? And they want it at wholesale prices. They, they want wholesale prices, which means you've got to boost up your prices to everyone else to compensate. And then I'm also stuck mm. with thousands and thousands of pounds of ground beef. Mm-hmm. So then I'm having to change my business model, and I can't provide good, healthy beef for you. Right. Gotcha. Interesting. And, and, and you know, still function so we've opted out of that and we are directly focused on direct to consumer so come and see us you can pick it up we're working on some local subscription type things to where they can just subscribe and a van will bring it to them weekly bi-weekly uh, and then the nationwide shipping but since it's not up yet just go online and then you know just give us your email and then we'll notify you as soon as it's available and you can start ordering you know the one <clears throat> the one thing this podcast is doing to me is it's making me very hungry. Yeah, I'm ready for a, <laughs> I'm like ready to eat. Go to well, I don't want to go to a restaurant. I want to go to Lance's <laughs> yeah, house. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> well, thank, thanks man for coming on. We yeah. we appreciate and it. Thanks for that. Thanks Lance, appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.